So my authenticity mantra is, I have a couple. One of them is, don't shrink, don't puff up, just stay in your sacred ground. My vulnerability mantra is, show up and let yourself be seen. That's Brene Brown, and this is The Depression Detox Show. Welcome back to the Depression Detox Show, where we share ideas and stories to help you live a happier life. I am your host, Malik Josephs. Happy Wednesday. So today we have the super popular research professor, speaker, and New York Times bestselling author, Dr. Brene Brown, back on the show. And as I said the last time she was on, I just love all of her talks. And today is yet another great clip as she talks about love, belonging, and fitting in. Here's Brene Brown. Enjoy. So let's talk about belonging. I knew belonging was a big deal going into this research, but I had no idea what a big deal it was. Here's the definition that came up. Belonging is the innate human desire to be a part of something larger than us. Because this yearning is so primal, we often try to acquire it by fitting in and seeking approval, which are not only hollow substitutes for belonging, but often barriers to it. True belonging only happens when we present our authentic and perfect selves to the world. Our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. So here's what was shocking to me. Guess what emerged as the primary barrier to cultivating belonging in people. Shame, self-worth, vulnerability, judgment, fear, comparison. Okay, all of these come together to create the number one barrier to belonging, fitting in. Fitting in emerges the primary barrier to cultivating real belonging. Because fitting in is about assessing a situation and acclimating. And why do we assess and acclimate? We assess and acclimate out of fear and shame and all the judgment, all the things that you just named, right? So here's what's interesting. Y'all are a group of folks who I really like. You're doing interesting stuff and you're part of my community back in Houston. And I really wanna connect with y'all. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm going to kind of observe, I'm going to ask some questions, and I'm going to fit. And let me tell you, I'm an expert fitter inner. I mean, I study vulnerability for a living. I have to know you for 20 minutes to know exactly how to fit in with you. And I also need to know you for about 20 minutes to know exactly what to say to bring you to your knees. Because it's what I study for a living. And while it's kind of a superpower for me that I only choose to use for good, most of us have this ability. Especially if there are mental health professionals in the audience. You know, we know exactly. So I'm going to fit in. I know exactly, you know, okay, so they're kind of the high-end athletic wear, steer away from these conversations, steer toward these conversations. I got it. So I come to you, to your meeting, 
and I really want connection and I'm craving some belonging and I do everything I can do to fit in and it doesn't work out. I don't feel connection. I don't feel accepted. The result of that experiment, nine times out of 10, will be shame. Because my goal in this effort was to be accepted and to fit in, and I failed. Okay. You guys are another group of people that I really want to fit in with. I really, I want to be a part of your thing. I want to be in your tribe. So what I do is I say, instead of saying like, okay, who are you? What do you wear? How do you dress? How do you vote? What's important? I just say, I have my own authenticity mantra. I'm going to invite you to do it as well later. So my authenticity mantra is, I have a couple. One of them is, don't shrink, don't puff up, just stay in your sacred ground. My vulnerability mantra is show up and let yourself be seen. So instead of trying to fit in, I just go, I'm driving, and I do this all the time, okay? Just show up, let yourself be seen, be real, don't shrink. And by shrink, I mean, don't, whatever you like, I like, whatever you listen to, like basically my dating life for about 10 years. Um, Yeah, whatever you do, that's what I do. And even better. Um, But just be myself. So you're a new book club. I hated the book. And I'm not going to be like, I hate the book and y'all suck for liking it. But I'm just going to say, you know, if it's my turn, it didn't resonate with me. I didn't get it. I'm just going to let myself be seen. And I go and there's no connection. I don't feel a sense of belonging at all. Rarely, rarely do we see the outcome of that experiment or of that effort. Rarely is it shame. It's disappointment, grief, maybe a little confusion, but it's rarely shame because my self-worth was not on the line. My goal was not above all else to get you to like me. My goal was to show up and let myself be seen. And I did that. And so there is no failure there for me. Does that make sense? So what I think is interesting is that fitting in emerges at the primary barrier to belonging. And how many of us are super good at fitting in? I think most of us. So first thing I learned from talking to the wholehearted, love and belonging, irreducible needs of men, women, and children. And I can clearly see as a researcher that this is going to be very difficult work because self-acceptance and self-love are at the heart of both of these. What else do they share in common? If you took all of the people I've interviewed over the last 12 years and you divided them crudely into two groups, people who have a deep sense of love and belonging and people who struggle for it, there was only one variable that separated these groups. And let me go back and say this, to have a deep sense of love does not just mean the capacity to love other people. It means a deep sense of being lovable. Which is where most people go, it was so much better when it was loving other people. Um, But when I say a deep sense of love and belonging, I mean, not only do you have the capacity to love, but you believe that you're deeply lovable. So if you took these groups, this group struggles, this group fills a deep sense. The only difference was that men and women who have a deep sense of love and belonging 
believe they are worthy of love and belonging. That's it. Okay, that pissed me off beyond anything I probably have ever found in my work. Because my question was, what does that mean? They have a deep sense of love and belonging and they believe they're worthy of it. That they wake up one day and they say, you know what? I am worthy of love and belonging. Ah, You know, like that thing. And, and if that's the case, what are the prerequisites? What do I need to do to do that? And so I actually called back a lot of the doctoral students who work with me and said, we need to go through the literature because something is amiss. What does believing that you're worthy of love and belonging look like? And maybe the people who believe they're worthy of love and belonging are that mystical group of people that we all want to belong to, but we can't get in. <laughs> like the people who their nail polish doesn't ship. They don't get stretch marks. They're, you know, everything goes great. They're beautiful. They're famous. They're rich. I don't know who they are. But you know what? There was this gnawing sense in me. I knew at some terrible gut level that that was not going to be the finding because I've interviewed everyone from homeless men and women, people transitioning out of federal prison to the junior league. And let me just tell you this, every single person has a story that'll break your heart. And if you're paying attention, many people from both of those sides have a story that'll bring you to your knees. Nobody rides for free. Even though I wanted to find that the wholehearted were people whose lives had turned out more beautifully than the rest of ours, I had a feeling that that was not gonna be the case, and it was not. They did not have fewer divorces, fewer incidents of addiction, fewer traumas, nothing. The only difference was in the midst of their struggle, their worthiness was not on the table. And I gotta tell you that, and I've never talked about this before, but I think it's important to say, and it's hard for me to put percentages on things sometimes because I'm a qualitative researcher, but I would say that of the wholehearted, the wholehearted probably are about 20% of the people I've interviewed over time. Out of the wholehearted, I would say maybe 25, 30% of them were parented that way. And the other 75% fought their way to wholeheartedness. I mean, every now and then I will run into someone who said, you know, my parents just raised me that way. If I failed, they said, you failed. You're not a failure. In fact, you're brave for trying. But the majority of people who I've interviewed over the years who would really kind of meet this conditions, um, I call them inclusion criteria for wholeheartedness, fought their way there. And that was very helpful for me because there wasn't a magical group. There were a group of people who made different choices every single day. Big thanks to Brene Brown for stopping by. I got this clip from The Power of Vulnerability audiobook, which you can get on audible.com. You can also connect with her by visiting her website, brenebrown.com, and check out her most recent book entitled You Are the Best Thing vulnerability, shame, resilience, and the Black experience. And she also has a new upcoming book, which you can pre-order entitled Atlas of the Heart, Mapping Meaningful Connection and the Language of Human Experience. And I'll have all of those links to everything in the show description. So you can go check that out. And before you go, when you get a chance, please follow the show wherever you get your favorite podcast 
Or if you can be so kind to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing. And that is it for me. I hope you have a great rest of your day and I'll see you back here Friday. So until then, stay strong. Later. Later.